Welcome to Stories from Among the Stars. You're listening to The Last Watch by J.S. Dewis. Chapter 24 To Cavallon's surprise, instead of slipping into another vent system, Rake simply strode into the hallway. They'd been so stealthy up to this point, it felt odd to just waltz out into the open, but he tentatively followed. He didn't have to worry for long when a couple of meters down, Rake stopped at another vent, similar in size and structure to the first. She pulled off the grate and climbed through, and Cavallon trailed after. A minute later, they came to a dead end capped by another grate, hard light streaming in from the other side. Rake paused, holding a finger to her lips, as if she had to remind him to be quiet just in case he'd forgotten he was in mortal danger. She pointed to the grate and scooted to one side. He shimmied his way next to her, peering through the narrow slats into the cockpit. He squinted as his eyes adjusted to the relative brightness of the room beyond. A single drudger stood between the pilot and co-pilot's chairs, watching a video message play back over the ship's main console. The holographic screen cast a blue glint against its steel-gray skin. It was older than most of the others Rake had killed, that they'd killed. Unlike the others had, it wore a relatively clean Viator-issue uniform, with badges of rank pinned carelessly to the shoulders. Though Drudgers didn't bother much with rank distinctions, he assumed this one must be the ship's captain. The Drudger in the recording gargled something Cavallon couldn't understand, and the message ended. The captain dismissed the video interface and stepped aside, revealing a display of brilliantly bright, crisp white holographic screens. They looked nothing like the dim, muddy displays lined up over the cockpit terminal. Cavallon craned his neck to catch a glimpse of the source of the screens, a polished gold pyramid about 30 centimeters wide sitting on the terminal counter. The displays were shaped like nothing Cavallon had ever seen, curved, equilateral triangles with the edges bulging out, dozens layered atop one another, stacked and linked in a pattern not dissimilar to the scaled walls of the Apollo Gate corridors. The drudger's body and the pilot's chair obscured much of the view, but from the various overlaid grids, he thought it might be some kind of structural blueprint, like a large, multi-leveled building or starship. Cavallon quirked an eyebrow at Rake, and she returned it with a clueless shrug. The drudger captain grumbled something to itself, reached down, and the strange displays disappeared. It shoved the pyramid aside, then swept open a menu from the cockpit terminal. Out of sight on the far right of the room, another drudger muttered a series of unintelligible words. The drudger captain grunted a terse response, then the others started a long-winded reply. Rake must have been able to understand the thick dialect because she turned to look at Cavallon with raised eyebrows, as if to say, that's our cue, then thrust her palm into the grate. It shot halfway across the room and clattered into the pilot's chair. Rake pulled herself free and fired her plasma pistol twice to the right side of the cockpit. Cavallon leaned out to find two additional drudgers on that side of the room, now very dead. The captain managed to claw one of its taloned fingers down Rake's arm as she grabbed it by the front of its jumpsuit. 
She threw the captain to the ground face first, twisting one of its arms around and pressing a knee into the small of its back to pin it to the floor. She flipped her grip on the knife and held the serrated blade to the side of the drudger's throat. It roared and spat, but she held firm, the silver and copper squares on her arms jittering. She didn't even spare a glance at the jagged slice it had carved down the side of her arm. Blood flowed to her wrist and across her knuckles, dripping onto the drudger's back at a troubling rate. What are you doing out here? Rake barked. She leaned into the drudger's back and it groaned in pain, but didn't answer. Rake slid the blade closer to its neck. A sparse formation of imprint tattoos slid up from under the captain's collar, the glossy white squares stark against its dark gray skin. The imprint spread thin to try and protect its neck. Where is the rest of your crew? Rake demanded. It gave a guttural half-laugh before spitting out a response Cavallon couldn't understand. Rake untwisted its arm and pinned its wrist to the ground in front of its face, then stabbed the back of its hand with the knife, skewering it to the floor. A few of its white imprints slid onto the top of its hand, but they were far too late. The drudger roared and thrashed beneath her. Rake growled. This can be easy or hard, drudger. Easy, easy, legionnaire. It pleaded in a horrific approximation of the human tongue. The obviously unfamiliar language gnarled on its lips. I cooperate. Rake let out a gruff breath and yanked the knife free from its hand. In the microsecond she was off balance, the drudger's imprint surged. It twisted out from under her knee, throwing an elbow as it spun. She blocked it with her free arm, while slicing the knife cleanly into its chest with the other. The captain spluttered, a mouthful of blood, and its eyes rolled back as it fell limp. Fucking drudgers, Rake muttered under her breath and stood, sheathing her knife. She headed straight for the main terminal and began sliding through menus, blood dripping down her arm. Void, Rake? Cavallon pulled himself out of the duct and glanced around. The primary flight console sat flanked by two smaller catch-all terminals sitting behind the pilot and co-pilot chairs, facing each of the side walls. He went from station to station, scouring the filthy cockpit for something not disgusting to staunch her bleeding with. Cav, it's fine, Rake assured. He glanced back. Her imprints glided around the cut, and the flow of blood ceased as they sealed up the wound. Moments later, it scabbed over, like it had been healing for days. Rake absentmindedly swabbed the excess blood off with the back of her hand, then wiped it on her pant leg while staring at the terminal. Don't you get tired? Cavallon nodded at her imprints as they receded from her wounded arm and reset themselves. Yes. She said simply, scratching at the fresh skin. I could never use mine as much as you have in the last half hour. I'd have dropped dead by now. You have to treat them like a muscle, she said, continuing to swipe through the screens. Exercise them. Really? The more you use them, the more your body gets used to it. You won't get tired as quickly. What kind of regimen are we talking? She glared. Must we talk about this right now? Okay, okay. He held up his hands in submission. Sorry, sir. 
Cavallon added that to the list of points to question her on later. Her eyes darted back to the display, and he walked over to the terminal. He picked up the strange golden pyramid the drudger had been using. It was heavy for its size, and oddly warm. A series of etchings ran along each of the four facets in an uninterrupted geometric design. He turned it over in his hands, running his fingers along the asymmetrical grooves, but could find no way to activate the display. He set it back down, then went to hover over Rake's shoulder. What are you doing? He asked, checking their logs to see where they've been. And? And nothing, she said, shaking her head. They've traveled a good distance the last few days, stopped at a couple of random coordinates, nowhere I recognize as being anywhere, but I'm mostly concerned about where they just came from and where those other 20 drudgers are. Is there even anywhere they could get to in only a couple of hours? Other than the Argus, no. Their last trip put them literally on the edge of nowhere, halfway between the Argus and the next buoy, but a few hundred thousand clicks inward. There's nothing there. Maybe it's a loot drop, you know, secret places they stash contraband between runs? Yeah. She stared vacantly at the screen. We could watch that message it was playing, he suggested. Maybe it'll give us a clue where the rest of them went. She raised her eyebrows. Good idea. Again, she seemed a bit too surprised for his liking. Rake closed the ship's logs and opened the comms menu. Only one video message sat in the queue, and she swept it onto the larger view screen. She pressed play, and the recorded drudger's image appeared. Its shadowed face glared from the screen as it spoke, its words strikingly crisp compared to the garbage disposal version he'd just heard from the others. He took a step closer and squinted at the video, because something else wasn't right. The lines of the drudger's neck and face and shoulders were too sharp, too rigid. Its skin was a deep charcoal black with a dull matte finish, no glinting metallic shine. The eyes he'd thought had been in shadow were in fact pools of inky, empty black. And there were not two eyes before. His breath caught. Rake. She shushed him with a silent hand wave, staring at the screen, brow creased in contemplation, but not surprise. She seemed stern, if anything, maybe worried. Cavallon's heart beat hard and a feverish chill washed through him. It had to be a trick or some kind of mistake because if that drudger had four black eyes, then it was not a drudger and the alternative was impossible. Rake pressed play and the message looped. She watched it carefully then played it a third time and it froze on the end frame when it finished. She crossed her arms and didn't replay it again. Kevalon stared at her. You understand their language, don't you? She nodded slowly, not taking her eyes from the screen. What did it say? He wasn't sure she intended to respond at first, but after a few long moments, she answered quietly. It said, first you must something. She mumbled a few incoherent syllables. Restart, I think. Yeah, restart. First, you must restart the station marked on the atlas. Restart the station? 
he asked, voice thin. Like the gate? No, they have another word they use for the gates, arcantile. It sets something more akin to station or sector, node even. What else did it say? Then it said, you have the supplies, I think, or components, maybe? Then I'll forward the remainder of the instructions shortly. Instructions? Like orders? Her expression tightened, lines furrowing her brow. Her gaze remained focused on the screen, deep in contemplation. No, it was instructions, she assured. There are different words for orders or demands. It meant, like, directions, steps to follow. Either way, that sounds fucking nefarious. Yeah. Cavallon crossed his arms and stared at her. You do not seem appropriately shocked. This message could be decades old. We don't know when it was recorded, she said, voice steady. Yeah, we do. He pointed to the timestamp in the corner of the screen, mere days ago. Her lips twitched as she glared at the evidence. Timestamps can be altered, he scoffed. Why would they bother to do that? She didn't respond, continuing to stare at the frozen frame of the vid message. How are you not freaking out? Relax, Mercer, she said, voice suddenly harsh. Not everyone jumps to the absolute worst case scenario and starts panicking. They do. His head rocked fervently, chin bobbing to his chest in an exaggerated nod. They do about viators. And what about that weird... He flicked his fingers at the gold pyramid. Thing he was looking at. That looked like schematics or a map. Is that the atlas it mentioned? She let out a sharp breath through her nose. This is not our concern. What? He gaped, wide-eyed. He literally could not believe those words had just come out of her mouth. Rake's eyes sharpened into an impatient glare. I'm not sure if you've noticed, but we're in a bit of a life-and-death situation out here at the moment. We need to confirm all the drudgers aboard Karin have been eliminated, get the gate operational, and get everyone safely back to Legion HQ, and that's it. Really? He said, unable to temper the incredulity in his tone. We've got drudgers at the Divide, armed with weird maps and instructions from real, live, breathing viators, and it's not our concern? Isn't this your... He stopped and took a deep breath, letting the panic in his voice subside. Isn't this our whole point? As sentinels? What if another round of viators has come, from wherever they came to start with? She shook her head. After thousands of years? Well, they were all dead as of five years ago. You should know, the resurgence, Paxis, that was all you. Her jaw clenched. Then she reached out and grabbed the strange pyramid-shaped device. We'll take this back to Mesa and see what she thinks. She shoved it into his chest, lifting a finger to point at him, then narrowed her eyes. But don't breathe a word of this to anyone. He nodded fervently, and a cool tingle of relief washed through him. She'd found a sliver of her sanity back at least. Yes, sir. Chapter 25 Adequin stayed a few steps ahead of Cavallon as they marched their way back to the other side of the gate in silence. 
She turned the oddly warm artifact over in her hands, studying each of the four facets for some indication of how to activate its displays, but found nothing. When they arrived at the portside control room, Jackin stood hunched over his terminal, frantically typing in commands. Mesa and Puck hovered on either side of him, staring down at the screens in anxious anticipation. Puck's fingers twitched against the grip of his holstered pistol. Adequin walked up behind them and cleared her throat. Jackin jumped, turning to face her. Void, Rake, where have you been? He let out a sharp breath. The mainframe just popped back up a second ago. A ship's docked starboard. We know, Adequin said. We took care of it. Jackin looked her up and down, eyeing the blood splattered across her uniform. His gaze slid to Cavalon. We? Cavalon frowned grumpily, but said nothing. Yes, we, Adequin said. Puck? Sir? Get a team together to do a quick sweep of the Drudger's ship. Confirm they've all been eliminated. There's 20 more somewhere. Let's make sure they're not here. Then get the ship docked on this side and do a full search, including inventory. I want to know what they're up to. Copy, sir. Puck activated his nexus and began summoning other soldiers. Jackin stared at the red scab running down Adequin's left arm. What happened? She held up a finger, then turned to Mesa and passed her the pyramid. The savant took it with a raised eyebrow. Adequin opened her mouth to explain, but got cut short by pretty much the last noise she ever expected to hear. A voice crackling over the gate's calms. Car, this is... Jackin froze, hands floating over the display. He gaped down at it in disbelief, like if he bumped it, he might lose the connection forever. A tingling warmth radiated through Adequin's limbs. Rebooting the mainframe and comms had actually worked. This was a long overdue miracle. The voice returned moments later, still crackling and almost incomprehensible. Gate, this Legion Command Soda... Adequin stepped forward as Jackin carefully typed in a few slow commands, narrowing in on the signal. He backed away, then she sat and pressed the link. This is Exubiter Adequin Rake with the SCS Argus hailing from Gate. Copy, sir, a male voice responded. Loud and clear. Sorry, sir, did you say the Argus? Yes, who am I speaking with? Oculus Rio Murphy, sir he said, his youthful voice wavering. Where are you, Murphy? Adequin asked. The Drift Belt, sir. Soteria Cluster Point Gate. Adequin scooted closer to the edge of her chair. Soldier, we were forced to evacuate our post aboard the SCS Argus, stationed at the Divide. We've regrouped at Karin Gate, but it's been abandoned. Do you know what happened to the troops that should be stationed here? Uh, sir? Sorry, sir, Murphy said quickly, but uh, the SCL has withdrawn from the divide, including Karengate. Eris and Zealous, too, and some others. Jackin scoffed. Did they plan to tell us that? Adequin pressed the link again. Oculus, are forces being summoned elsewhere? No, sir. Then why are we withdrawing? Sir, that information is Cassius Level Delta, sir. I have Alpha clearance. But I don't, 
he said. I don't have that information, sir. Is there someone there who does? Where's your CO? Off-site, sir. We're on skeleton crews here. And you know nothing about why we're withdrawing? Well, he cleared his throat and hesitated. Speak freely, soldier, she encouraged. Nothing official, but there's been talk. The withdrawal order came down right after the LPWA passed. She glared at the comm link in confusion. She had no idea what that meant. Fucking goddamn. A gruff voice began a tirade of exasperated cursing, and Adequin turned around to find Cavalon gripping his hair with both hands. Oculus, she warned. Sorry, he said, releasing his head. He lowered his voice. That's Augustus's doing. Explain. LPWA, Legion Personnel Welfare Act. He gritted his teeth. The Guardians. Jackin crossed his arms. Excuse me? Adequin sighed. They intend to start replacing Legion soldiers with cloned drudgers. Vaguely aware of a clamor of hushed voices rising up behind her, Adequin tried to stay focused on Jackin as his brow furrowed. You're saying these guardians are supposed to come replace the sentinels? He asked. Cavallon shrugged. Maybe, or at least to start. Probably some kind of trial run. But why pull us away before sending replacements? Adequin asked. Jackin scowled. More importantly, why'd we never get a withdrawal order? Adequin turned back to the comms screen and pressed the link. Murphy? We never received an order to withdraw. Sorry, sir, I can't speak as to why that- Then give me someone that can, she snapped back. The why of it didn't matter, but this kid was useless. She needed someone with enough authority to give them some guidance, tell them what they should be doing next, or even just how to turn the gate on so they could get back to the core. I can try to call my CO, I guess. She shook her head. I want to talk to Lujan. Murphy's voice wavered. Praetor Lujan? I can't make a summons like that, sir. I'm invoking the Titan Prius statute. I order you to connect me directly to Praetor Reneth Lujan. Murphy hesitated, more than likely having never heard that directive enacted before. He came back on moments later. It's two in the morning here, sir. You think I give a fuck? She barked. You want to be on a Titan shit list, Oculus? No, sir, the kid sputtered. Then get me Lujan, now. Okay, sorry, sir. I'll need to rouse our comms tech. Then we'll have to call around to find the Praetor, but I'll call you back. Do not break this connection, she warned. I won't, sir, he assured. I'm locking it in. I'll be back. He clicked off and left only a stream of steady static behind. Adequin fixated on the comm link and waited in the heavy silence of the room, unmoving, her heart pounding loudly against her ribs. She didn't even know where to start. If the Legion had purposefully abandoned Karin and fully withdrawn from the divide, then their negligence in not telling her was unheard of. 
she had no idea how to react. But that'd just be the icing on the proverbial cake of shit that had been the Legion's behavior toward them since she'd arrived at the Argus five years ago. Getting anything beyond the essentials to survive was like pulling teeth. Now they'd all but gone radio silent, abandoned them to their fate at the edge of the universe. Her initial instinct was righteous indignation. She wanted to march straight to Lujan and demand an answer. But she knew it wouldn't be that easy. She might always technically have the prerogative of having been a titan, but in sending her to the Sentinels, they'd made it clear they didn't intend to extend those privileges. But Lujin had trusted her implicitly, once. She'd been his strategist, his right hand. If anyone would send aid, be willing to help them, it was him. But she didn't know what, if any, sway she'd have with the Praetor anymore. He'd sent her here, after all. Jackin's calm voice broke through her thoughts. I wouldn't hold your breath, boss. She let out a sigh, pulling her eyes away from the silent calm link. Over Jackin's shoulder, Puck stood with Warner and the other soldiers he'd summoned. She didn't know when they'd arrived, but by the looks on their faces, they'd heard quite a bit. Puck and Warner's expressions were wary, but the others were tight, angry, confused. Oddly, they mostly glared at Cavalon. How do you know about that act? One of the circuiters turned to face him, a man with thinning black hair named Snyder. That LPWA. Cavalon's mouth dropped open, but nothing came out. He pulled at his collar. I, uh, read about it in the news. And Augustus, Snyder growled. How is it you're on a first name basis with Augustus Mercer? Warner walked up beside Snyder. Cool it, guys, why does it matter? Wait a minute, I recognize you. Another Oculus shuffled forward, ignoring Warner and pointing at Cavalon. You were in the vids a few years back. They thought you were involved in that Ivory Hall stuff on Elysia. Those college kids using veterans as drug mules. But it all got buried, disappeared from the news. Cavalon's face went bright red, and he glanced anxiously at Adequin. Snyder stepped forward face to face with Cavalon, who met the challenge head on, jaw tight. You're not just any Mercer, are you? You're the heir. Snyder's shoulders swelled. You know your granddad's little heritage edict forced my entire family off Virdis. We've been there for five generations. Cavalon gulped. Then, when they tried to get the mutation corrected, Snyder continued, they were refused treatment since they were no longer core citizens in good standing. That's quite a fucking loophole. That sent them all into an uproar, and they began slinging a host of other accusations at Cavalon. Adequin expected him to jump on the defensive, but he stood his ground and remained silent. She didn't know how he could tolerate letting them rail on him like that. All they saw was a name. They had no idea how sympathetic he was. Adequin watched the anger circulating through the small group of soldiers, thinking back to their conversation before the drudger's arrival. 
He'd called the timing of the resurgence convenient. He thought the SC had instigated the war in order to cover up this kind of unrest. It had sounded so far-fetched at the time. But the longer it sat with her, the more sense it made. Fielding the newly exposed Viator fleet had required a decisive and unified offensive. The Legion had long since been split into duty zones by planets or systems or sectors. But after that day, for the first time in 200 years, the first had been reunited in order to move against the new foe. And a sweeping, galactic-wide sense of patriotism had come along with it. For the first time, Adequin had seen the real value of the System Collective, the reason so many on her homeworld had worked so hard and sacrificed so much to gain full citizenship. That pride, that sense of unity, had fed her confidence in the early days of the war, and her resolve as the years dragged on. She couldn't stomach the thought of it all being orchestrated. Snyder's fists clenched, and he took a threatening step toward Cavallon. Adequin moved to intercede. Soldiers, she barked. They fell silent and looked at her. Not that I should have to justify a goddamn thing to any of you, but this kid's more than pulled his weight in the last 36 hours, so why don't you cut him some slack? Bullshit, Snyder shouted. What use is an entitled prince, never mind a mercer? Adequin grabbed the circuiter by the front of his vest and pushed him to the wall beside the door. Blood rushed through her veins, fueled by rage, and her head pounded in protest. She kept him pinned with one hand and pinched the bridge of her nose with the other, then took a deep, slow breath and fixed her glare on Snyder's wide eyes. She unclenched her teeth, keeping her voice low and calm. I'm just now remembering your file, Snyder. Conspiracy and solicitation, right? Blackmailing superior officers, aggravated assault, and a whole handful of counts of being drunk at your post. Snyder's cheeks darkened. He may have fucked up too, Adequin continued. But he's the reason we had enough fuel in the warp core to escape the divide. He's helped fight off drudgers twice, and he repaired the hull of the Hermes so we weren't all stranded in space forever. How many times have you saved our lives in the last 24 hours, Snyder? His Adam's apple bobbed a few times before he found his voice back. Uh, zero, sir. She gave him a few slow, deliberate nods. His head bounced as he followed her eyes. Zero. She shoved him against the wall again, then let go. So shut up. He nodded quickly. Yes, sir. Sorry, sir. Puck she growled, gesturing to the doorway. With me, soldiers, Puck called out, spinning one finger in a circle and heading for the door. Snyder and the others fell in line behind him and disappeared into the hallway, leaving Adequin in the control room with Jackin, Mesa, and Cavallon. Adequin looked at Cavallon. His cheeks were beet red, glower focused on his feet, either embarrassed, mad, or some of both, but she didn't care. Her reserve of patience was dwindling very, very quickly. Mesa? Yes, Exubiter. 
Adequin nodded at the golden pyramid in the savant's hands. Please take whoever you need and look into that. It would help if I knew more about its origins. Probably Viator Tech. That's pretty much all I know. Mesa glanced down at the device. It certainly appears that way, but where did you obtain it? Adequin hesitated only briefly, too tired for subtlety. The Drudger ship. The captain was reviewing the data on it after receiving a recorded video message from a Viator. Jacken leaped to his feet, but she held up her hand to shush him, continuing to stare at Mesa. The savant's mouth dropped open. It produces a holographic interface, Adequin explained. It looked like schematics. Please just see if you can unlock it. Mesa's large eyes blinked rapidly a few times, then her shoulders drew back. Very well, Exupiter. She stepped to the doorway, then stopped to look back. Cavalon? Cavalon snapped from his reverie and looked at her. Uh, yeah? With me, please. She sauntered through the doorway, disappearing into the hall. Cavalon looked at Adequin, eyebrows high. She nodded her assent, and he followed Mesa, leaving Adequin alone with Jackin. Rake, Jackin said, voice wavering. She put her hands on her hips and looked at her boots, not turning to face him. Jack? Care to give me a quick sit rep on what the fuck is going on? She took a deep breath and turned to look at him. There was a video message, instructions sent to the drudgers on how to do something. I don't know what. Sent from a viator? It appears so, yes. Appears so or is so? It was a recorded message. There's no way to know for certain. Jackin's eyebrows sunk low over his dark brown eyes. I'm getting really sick of hearing that shit come out of your mouth. Watch yourself, she warned. Wake up, Rake, he yelled. The time for delusions is over. Her cheeks burned, and she clenched her fists, then looked away to keep from punching him. The Legion abandoned this gate, and at least two others, without telling us, he continued, voice harsh. They withdrew from the divide without telling us. And now we have a viator giving orders to drudgers. And, oh yeah, he added wryly, the universe is shrinking. You gonna come up with a reason how that might not be real too? None of that follows though, Jack, she yelled back. None of it. I can't connect them. It makes no sense. Why do they need to be connected? He growled. It's shitty thing A, B, and C. Let's not pretend like any or all of them won't get us killed, together or separate. B and C might get us killed, yes, but there's got to be an explanation for A. The Legion wouldn't just leave void, Rake, he spat, his anger flaring again. What don't you get about this? I'm so sick of tiptoeing around this blind devotion. A swell of sudden determination hardened his expression, and he pointed a stiff finger at his flank. These scars, and yeah, I saw you worrying on them earlier. Heat rose to her face, but she kept her glare locked on him. Where do you think they came from? Viators? Drudgers? I was safely tucked away on a capital ship the entire war, Rake. 
How am I supposed to know where the fuck they came from, Jack? You've never told me a damn thing about what you did before the war. Do you know how many times I've tried to get you to even tell me why you're here? His scowl deepened, voice lowering. I can't tell you why I'm here. That's the whole damn point. What? If I did, and they found out I told you. Who? Then they'd know I'd give a shit about you, and you'd be next. Next for what, she said. But her question went unheard as Jackin's haunted gaze drifted toward the door. Especially now, he mumbled, with that kid here. It's a good thing I never told you. Cavalon? What the hell does he have to do with this? I hope nothing. I really fucking hope nothing. What? You think he's a spy for the Allied monarchies? I wouldn't put anything past Augustus Mercer Rake, he said, and you shouldn't either. A hard lump rose to the back of her throat as she stared at the fury in her Optio's eyes. But it wasn't the blind lack of sleep anger it had first appeared to be. Jackin was scared. The noble legion you're so devoted to, Jackin continued, they don't give a shit about us. The sooner you wrap your head around that, the better off we'll all be. She stood silently for a few long minutes. Jack, I... She looked down. I'm sorry for what happened to you, and I understand if you can't tell me. He stared vacantly at the console, head bobbing slowly. Just know that if you ever need it, you have my confidence. Always, you can trust me. His bloodshot eyes darted over, urgent to meet hers, but he remained silent, the muscles in his jaw twitching with unsaid words. After a time, he cleared his throat. I'm sorry for yelling, boss. I'm a bit sleep deprived. I know, but don't be sorry. You're right, I've been on the extreme side of caution with all this. It's just a lot to take in. I know. We've got the Drudger ship now, at least. If we can get the gate turned on, we can get everyone back to the core. Then we'll worry about this Viator situation later. Do you know how to restart the gate? He dragged his fingers through his short beard and groaned. No fucking clue. They don't exactly get shut off on a regular basis. Or ever. Just see what you can do. Copy. He sat at the terminal and opened new menus, punching out commands with sharp impatience. You might as well take a breather, boss. I'm sure that kid'll have some hoops to jump through before he gets a hold of Lujan. This could take a while. Adequin dropped into the chair beside Jackin, and he reached over to grip her shoulder before returning to work. She stared at the flashing holographic displays for a few silent minutes, and soon found herself slouching into the padded chair. Her eyes drooped, and though she tried to hold on to consciousness, she eventually gave in and let sleep take her. Griffith smiles, warm eyes glinting in the moonlight. Where'd you learn to shoot like that? Adequin stands and slings the sniper rifle over her back. I had a decent teacher. Oh yeah? Bet he's a great guy. She shrugs. Just some old man. His amused grin persists, but he shakes his head and sighs. Will this spot work? 
If the intel's right. And if it's wrong, he asks, scratching his beard with one hand. And they really are on Hodden 4, or way off somewhere in the perimeter veil, not Paxus. Then we're alone on this planet, she says, then lets out a listless breath. And that's just fine. A small ovoid drone with spindly arms flies up to hover in front of them. It drops the carcass of a fat, juicy carnus hawk at their feet, shot through the forehead with a single plasma bolt. Adequin swipes across her nexus screen to dismiss the drone back to camp, and it speeds away. She kneels and picks up the garnet-feathered bird, then looks to Griffith. I caught it, you cook it. The corners of his eyes wrinkle. Deal. They turn back toward camp, walking along the edge of the embankment, which falls away steeply into a wooded valley. You know, Griffith says, your teacher might be an old man, but with age comes wisdom. She grins. With age comes being tired a lot. His voice falls to a low, serious rumble. You tired, Quinn. Aren't you? He sighs a weary, heavy sigh that says more than any words could. It'll be over soon. She tries to look at him, but can't. His edges aren't clear, aren't sharp. He's there, but not. If she tries to reach out and touch him, she's sure her hand will pass right through. They pause and look out across the valley toward the foot of the mountain, where a placid river snakes through uncut wilderness. Tomorrow it will burn, all of it. Sir? Adequin shot awake so quickly, she almost slid off the front of her chair. Whoa, boss, Jackin said, still hovered over his terminal. It's just puck on your nexus. She looked down and saw her comm link flashing, then tapped to open it. Go for rake, she said, her voice gravelly from disuse. She checked the time in the corner of the screen, relieved to see she'd only been asleep for 40 minutes. We've swept the drudger's ship and have it docked at P4. Puck began, his voice hesitant. But, she prompted. Well, sir, you're going to want to see this. I'll be right there. Adequin stood and shook out her tired limbs. Slightly sore from using her imprints, but very sore from sleep deprivation. Jack, keep an eye out for Lujan's call, or anyone else's for that matter. Patch them through to my nexus. You got it. Adequin made her way down the corridor to the port side airlocks and through the drudger ship's hatch, where Puck stood waiting, wringing his hands nervously. Her chest tightened. What is it? His response came as a curt nod over his shoulder, indicating she should follow. They headed down the hall, then took a lift down into the belly of the ship. The door slid open, revealing a large cargo area packed haphazardly with crates. A few soldiers stood around taking inventory. Adequin stepped out of the lift to follow Puck, who entered the maze of crates and pallets and led her to the far side of the expansive area. We found all kinds of shit down here so far, Puck explained. Weird shit. There's cases upon cases of chemicals, metamaterials, a half dozen slabs of raw aerosteel, 
Some metals and alloys I don't even know the names of. It's like a chem lab down here. For what? Explosives? Puck shook his head. No idea. There's no casings or detonators, at least that we've found so far. Just a lot of raw materials. She chewed her lip. This was not what he'd brought her down to show her. What else? Puck sighed. Well, other than loads, and I mean loads of Viator tech, these guys also have loads of, well, he stopped at an open bay door that led into a secondary hold. The space sat packed wall to wall with legion issue equipment and supplies. Adequin stared at it for a few seconds, then looked up at Puck with a furrowed brow. Where'd they get all this? I wondered the same thing. Puck walked over to a stack of crates that had been secured to the floor with a taut canvas tarp. He lifted the cover up. Brandished across the side of the crate was the Sentinel logo above the words SCS Tempus. Adequin's heart stopped briefly, then slammed hard against her chest to catch back up. She swallowed and stepped forward, running her fingers along the etched words. Its sharp edges were cold and solid. It was real, not an illusion. Heat crept up her neck, but she steadied her voice and focused all her efforts on remaining calm. Puck? Yes, sir. Get the coordinates from the ship's logs. I want their last location. That's all for now. Thank you for listening. Make sure to follow Stories from Among the Stars on your preferred podcast app to get the next episode. Or if you just can't wait, you can find The Last Watch and its sequel, The Exiled Fleet, wherever books or audiobooks are sold. Thank you. Thank you.